Hi everybody, um, my name is Doreen Benyamin and I'm really excited to do another live episode with you guys of Before You Take the LSAT. Before You Take the LSAT is an online resource meant to help people who are thinking about going into law um, and what we do is live interviews with people who are either already in the field or in school and on their way and we just kind of talk about their path to uh, where they are, how they got to where they are now. Um, today I get to interview Calvin Berman. Um, I'm really excited to have you, Calvin. Calvin started at UT Austin, and then you, you studied public relations. That's right. right? And uh, you studied it for three years, and you got honors. Yeah. Undergrad, <laughs> and then you went straight through to USC Gold. Yes. For law school, and um, you graduated a few years ago, and now you went from working at Shepherd Mullen as an associate to starting your own practice. So, and you work in entertainment law as well as legal technology. Well, yes, yes. Um, the clients I represent are mostly in the VR, AR, and esports space. They're content producers. Yeah. Um, sort of all types, but I've been really passionate about VR and AR mm -hmm. and esports. Okay, so basically, um, what I like to do in interviews is just start talking about, we generally go in chronological order, but we just start with the LSAT, it's the only thing that's out of order. So I just kind of want to hear a little bit for um, a few minutes just about your experience with how you approach studying for the LSAT. Sure, yeah, so <clears throat> I always, I guess it goes back to me always wanting to be um, a lawyer of some sort and always wanting to go to law school. Yeah. Um, so I knew going into college that I had enough AP credits to leave a year early, to graduate a year early. So I started studying for the LSAT when I was a sophomore. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, over, over my winter break, I took a blueprint class. And Texas's winter breaks are really long. So I took a blueprint. How long is it? It was like six weeks at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I took a blueprint class in Westwood, actually, by UCLA's campus. Um, and that was sort of my, my entry point to studying. And then I decided um, sort of a day before that February LSAT that I, I wasn't ready to take the test. So I, would, I ended up sort of deferring for a little bit. And then the second round uh, of studying, I studied more on my own using blueprints, um, materials. And yeah, so I ended up taking it, I think, October of my, uh, of my junior year. And... I shout out to my one of my best friends Johnny Heckmet for driving me to and from the LSAT. Wow. Yeah, uh, it was in Austin. Uh, it's a great city. Mm -hmm. Brought me luck on the test. I did pretty well. Um, and yeah, that's that's your path with the LSAT. So looking back, is there anything that you would do differently now that you know whatever it is you know about the LSAT? Would you have taken the course, first of all? Yeah, yeah. It was very helpful for, for me to take the course with people who knew um, sort of what they were doing. Yeah. Um, I thought that the instructors at Blueprint were, I always remember they were pretty funny. Uh, they made the material sort of as engaging as, as it can be. Uh, and it's not engaging, guys, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I definitely recommend people taking a course. Uh, and and I don't when I was taking the exam, I don't know if it was different from when you were taking it, but they made a big point of saying, if you're not ready for the test, don't take the exam, because 
for some reason, at that time in law schools, we're looking at sort of all your scores as opposed to the highest score. Um, Which most schools don't do now, but, but apparently they were then, okay. Yeah, um, it's, it's better than, I, I think, what they're doing now, because mm-hmm. if you're able to improve by a lot, you, you know, you're able to show and demonstrate grit, which I know that you've done, Doreen. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's, that's very important, not only as a law student, but also when you graduate, um, to, have, to have grit. Yeah. Um, okay, so how did you know, because you said you knew really early on that you wanted to go into law, how did you know you wanted to do law? Did you have anyone around you that was already in it? Yeah, um, I have, my dad's a lawyer, my sister's a lawyer, aunts and uncles are lawyers. Um, so it, it was more so that I wanted to be in the media business and I wanted to approach the media business as a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, at the time I was in law school, SOPA and PIPA, which were two failed um, pieces of legislation, were sort of snaking their way through Washington, D.C. Um, this is on the coattails of, of major Supreme Court decisions about um, content being used in YouTube, on YouTube yeah. uh, for YouTube's benefit and to the detriment to some of the major studios. So it was very obvious that the law played and continues to play a huge part in the media business. Um, so it was just something that I sort of fell into. No, no one in my family is really uh, in, in the media business, but there are lawyers. Um, and it was always, I, I think, like I remember when I was applying to college, it was almost like I, I could go anywhere for college because I knew that the law schools didn't really um, factor into where you went to school, undergrad. I remember that being like a, dis- a decision point when I was choosing Texas over other schools. Yeah. And I loved Austin then, and I, and I knew I really wanted to go to school there, but I was sort I, I mean, I wasn't sure if I should be going to a more prestigious school or not. And I remember, I think I met with Dean Reed at USCU's in the admissions office. Um, and she told me that, like, I didn't even need to... Um, I didn't even, it, 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 she told me that the, the undergraduate school and, and the rankings were irrelevant. So. so you were already talking to the admissions officers at the law school while, before you even started undergrad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of law students tend to be planners, like that's just the personality type, so. But that's, that's pretty, that's early, early on. Yeah. But I'm sure you know that's a good thing, so then you knew exactly whatever it was that you were doing for undergrad would be helpful and okay when you're going to law school. Right. Okay, so uh, when you were an undergrad at UT Austin, so did you look at what pre-law programs or anything like that that they had before you started? Yeah, I, I think I went to a few of the pre-law meetings on campus. There was a, a pre-law fraternity. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I honestly don't recall if I was a member okay. or I certainly in wasn't. Yeah. Okay. I certainly wasn't involved at all. Um, although, you know, like I said, I may have gone to a few meetings here and there. Yeah. Um, I don't. Looking back, I don't know if if that was a good or bad thing. It was just for better or for worse. I wasn't. I wasn't really into the pre-law world. Yeah. But I was at a fraternity on campus, and a lot of the people in my fraternity. We're going to law school, we're applying to law school, so I had that sort of um, network of people to rely on and people to ask for advice. Yeah. Okay, so just for anybody who might not have joined for other interviews, we do tend to have like a Q&A session at the end if anybody has any questions and you'd like to ask. And if it's relevant, we can um, incorporate it earlier. So 
Um, if you hear me talking to Shannon, my sister's moderating the comments, so you're welcome, and questions, so you're welcome to submit at any point, and we'll just incorporate it whenever it's relevant. I'm sorry, another thing. Yes. Um, I made sure to, to keep in touch with um, USC's admissions office sort of throughout my undergrad experience and express my, my interest the whole time. Um, I remember in particular, Dave, Dean, now Dean Dave Kirchner, um, was was very very welcoming as well and, and patient with my with my silly undergraduate questions. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're not silly. I mean that's smart that you like looked into it early on. Yeah, uh, you know it was important for me to um, you know establish that connection. Yeah, and I mean I don't think they ever say it officially, but I think unofficially they do write down people who come earlier and like speak to them. I think they keep track of those types of things. I I would know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so so that was during, so that was before you even started law school, the LSAT, and then how did you approach the application process when you were applying for law school? Um, again, because I knew I wanted to be in the media business, I yeah. focused sort of on schools that you know had lawyers in like the Hollywood Reporter, um, you know, list of lawyers, a variety of list of lawyers. Like, I tried to, I tried to look at what schools those people went to, yeah. and and go to a school like they did. Yeah. Uh, so USC was sort of at the top of the list in yeah. terms of where you know top media and entertainment lawyers are going. Yeah. Um, as were as was UCLA and some of the Ivy League schools as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was it, it was because of that. USC was always like sort of on the top of my list. And did you? I mean, I guess it made sense to stay in LA because of the entertainment industry. That was that was part of the reasoning for. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. I, I wanted to come back, and and I applied to schools, um, you know, sort of elsewhere in California and elsewhere in the in the country, um, and I, I mean, I just came back to LA in particular because uh, this is where Hollywood is. So. Right. Okay, so um, were there besides like directly relevant like pre-law societies or anything like that? What were things that you might have been involved in undergrad that you think, not necessarily directly again, but were helpful to you in terms of like figuring out your path? Um, I made sure to sort of reach out, reach out to some lawyers who I knew were in the entertainment space. Um, I while at UT Austin? While at UT. Okay. Um, I met with lawyers in Austin um, who were sort of in the, in the burgeoning center of what was going on in Texas um, in terms of what, what sort of entertainment content Texas was producing. Mm -hmm. And then in particular, I, um, when I was in college, I met with uh, a partner named Robert Darwell and an associate um, at Shepard Mullen. Um, and while you were at UT? While I was yeah. at UT. Okay. Uh, this is before I even applied to law school. Wow. Um, so, again, like just sort of uh, trying to establish a relationship there uh, was important to me. Um, I'm sure that was helpful for you down the line when you started working at Shepard. <laughs> uh, I, I guess. Um, okay. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so when it came time, so after you started law school, and it came time for you to decide what you wanted to do during your first summer, your 1L summer. How did you approach that process? Um, did you already have something in mind at that point, or were you more open-ended for that summer? 
I was very open-ended. If you would have told me when I started law school that I'd be moving to Vegas for the following summer, I would have probably laughed at you. Yeah. Um, mainly because I, you know, like, I figured I would have been somewhere in Hollywood or somewhere at, at a talent agency or something for that summer. Yeah. But at that point, you know, UFC was sort of on a, a hockey stick upward trajectory um, in terms of its media presence. They had just signed a deal with Fox Sports. Uh, for a huge multi-year uh, contract for obviously the broadcast of UFC content. Yeah. So there were superstars like Ronda Rousey that were just just sort of coming out with superstars at her caliber. Um, and it seemed like UFC was poised to be this, this big entertainment brand going forward. Um, and so I saw the job posting somewhere and I, and I applied and, and was lucky enough to get it. That's cool. So, did you apply really broadly when you were applying at that point? It was UFC at the top of your choice list. I think. I I I don't know if it was at the top of my list, but I think I applied relatively early. Okay. And it was probably the only place I applied to that summer, which I don't know if that's true. I, I honestly I don't know if that's true or if that's something that I'm just telling myself. But <laughs> but I think it was the only place. I applied to, and I, and I got the position early enough that I just didn't apply anywhere else. Um, and it was a paid position too, which was rare at that yeah. time. It was rare at that time to get um, a paid position when you were a one-up for your one-up summer. Oh, another thing I'll say is that the application process required you to be a 2L in order to take the job. So in my mind, I thought when I would show up in Vegas in June, of, I'd be a 2L. So, I mean, I feel like a lot, nobody else uh, really did that. So, so um, I don't know, it was just a way to justify it in my mind. I mean, I was very clear in my interviews that I would be a 2L by the time I showed up. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely made that known. Um, and then also, I will say that that summer um, was probably the most influential summer of, of my life. Um, wow. In terms of in terms of my career, um, in what ways? So what was it about it made it so? So I was able to like work on some of the back end digital distribution um, associated with that Fox Sports deal, um, and that was really sort of eye opening to see what in house lawyers that are very close to um, a sort of thriving upstart um, innovative business. Sorry, what exactly was your role at UFC? I was. Okay, this is another funny thing is that I don't remember if the job posting called for, I don't remember what it called for, yeah. but it's probably something along the lines of intern, legal intern. Yeah. And the chief legal officer, because we were, we'd been contacting people outside of the, of the company yeah. um, on official UFC business, a few, the, the chief legal officer and a few of the other more senior lawyers, um, told us to, to call ourselves law clerks. Um, so that's what my, my email signature said. It said law clerk. <laughs> and it was certainly more prestigious, at least helpful to the ego to call myself a <laughs> law clerk as opposed to a legal intern. Okay, so are you saying um, in what ways it was your most influential summer? Yeah, so um, just seeing how, these, how, how the legal team at the UFC interacted with the business and the legal issues that arose day to day um, as well as the sort of far-reaching legal strategies that would um, sort of um, 
be presenting themselves to a company like the UFC uh, was fascinating to me and it sort of um, reinforced my decision to approach the media business as a lawyer, certainly. And then also I'm, I'm very, very good friends with the two, uh, the two, two of the other law clerks that were there when I was there. Um, Steve Benvenuto who's out in Baltimore and who, who graduated from Vanderbilt Law School and John Meehan who's in St. Louis who is a sports agent graduated from Drake Law School in Iowa. Um, those guys are some of my best friends. So, as well as my roommate Alex Marcus who's an inventor capital um, up in San Francisco. I don't know if I'm supposed to be like naming all these names. That's but, okay. Yeah, these, these, all, all, all these guys were, uh, everyone I've named so far has, has been very um, influential and, and probably incremental in, in, the, in my path. So, okay, so you're saying that it reinforced an idea that you already had about what you wanted to do with your career path, but you were pretty sure at that point and you weren't necessarily looking for reinforcement, but it was an extra help to have that experience? I don't know. I think, I think there, there was a part of me after the 1L experience that wanted to run from the law. Yeah. Um, and after having like the juxtaposition of, of the very theoretical, um, you know, theory, you know, philosophical yeah, yeah, yeah. direction of 1L yeah. to go from application to yeah to application in a, in a very pragmatic, you know, practical setting right. out in the Nevada desert um, <laughs> was a really really important um, experience for me because honestly I I think I was. I was sort of leaning towards um, other areas of the entertainment business uh, after immediately after one L, yeah. um, and see, again seeing these lawyers in action now over at the UFC was 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 probably what pulled me back. Okay, so uh, once you did start, okay, so while you were at um, USC for law school, mm -hmm. you were involved in quite a few organizations. Was that after your one L year? Like you weren't that involved during your first year? With organizations? Yeah, like the Entertainment Society, or I think you were part of the Venture Capital. Yeah, um, I, I, was, I was going to their meetings, okay. um, but I, I never sort of became like a permanent fixture um, in those groups. Okay. Until, until sort of later on. So you were a permanent fixture later, you just not in the beginning? Okay. Yeah, especially with the Entertainment Law Society, I, I, we, USC, um, the students there were really smart and that they planned like yearly trips to Sundance and have very, very interesting and influential speakers come in. Yeah. Um, I was commissioner, right? <laughs> my friends my my friends were the people who like were the president and 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 sort of vice president and, yeah. and sort of the, the executive board of the entertainment law society. And part of what I what I helped them with was basically just like going to the store in, in um, Park City, Utah, and, and making sure like the house uh, that we were staying in was, was all you know set up with food and stock with, with everything that we needed. And they told me that to call myself the Sundance Commissioner. Uh, so yeah, it's certainly, it, it's certainly, yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah. I, I don't know that it's like a real thing, but that's, so during your time at USC, did you interact with any of the other grad schools or even the undergrad? Because the law school's on campus, right? Yes. So you're not that far from all of the other campuses. Yes. That's one thing I would have, I would looking back, I would have done differently. Uh, I think USC offers so much. Yeah. And 
I didn't sort of take advantage of the amazing other colleges there, uh, both colleges and, and graduate universities or graduate programs. Um, I think it would have done me well to network more so, with those colleges and then also take advantage of um, you know, all the sort of cool things that were going on. Um, Are there certain opportunities that you've heard about since you've graduated that you would have liked to do while you were there? Yeah, I think while I was there, it's either shortly before or while I was there, Oculus sold to Facebook uh, for like, you know, billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and I think I was like so buried in um, the law school experience that I, I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't sort of look elsewhere and, and try to see what else was really cool um, uh, about the school. Uh, I think my, my third year, I sort of started to get involved. My third year, I, I um, set up this, uh, this law school microblogging site um, called Race Ipso Whatever. <laughs> uh, it's a play on a legal term called Race Ipso Locator. Um, and it was about law students going on there and sort of posting their funny experiences about law school. Um, and through that, there was an accelerator on campus that I sort of met with the director of. Um, and it would have been it would have been you know nicer to to get exposed to sort of the startup community at USC before I was like knee deep in my in my own website, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you go to a school like like Columbia or or like USC or like Texas or or any school where the law school is on their campus um, or where the university itself has all these. Uh, diverse and really incredible, interesting programs, I would highly recommend um, students go out and sort of explore uh, what the university has to offer outside of the law school. Okay, um, so let's see. Okay, look, I mean, I guess looking back now, what would have been helpful to know while in law school? I think we kind of talked about that in terms of getting involved in other things. And I would also say, yeah. um, I think it's it's really important to be deliberate yes. uh, as as a law student. Um, those are like very formative years in your career, um, and it's important to sort of identify things that you're passionate about, things that you like to do, and and, and do them, um, and try to, you know, ideally there are things that would, um, on their face, sort of advance your career and help you in the future. And sometimes they're not, but yeah. as Steve Jobs says, or, or said in a speech, you know, you sort of have to trust that the dots will connect. Uh, and that's something that's sort of been a, a guiding principle for me. It's, it's like, you know, I always wanted to be in the media bit, in the media space, so that's, I was very deliberate with what I was doing um, during the time I was in law school to make sure that my, my resume told that story and, and, I, and I got experience in the entertainment business. So out of all the things that you were involved with at USC, uh, which one do you think was the most helpful for you? Or most influential on your path? I mean, outside of the things that you did on during the summers. Yeah. Um, I think... What's been the most influential? I don't want to say... I don't want to say geographics, but the fact that USC was in LA helped me do a lot of things in LA that I wouldn't have been able to do oh, um, if I was on at a school on the East Coast or, or elsewhere. Um, 
so geographically speaking, USC was 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 very helpful. <laughs> so did you find yourself off campus a lot of times during the year? Yes. Okay. Um, after my one O year, I every every semester I either was working on a, an extracurricular project or had an extracurricular job. Um, my two L my two second semester, I was at William Morris Endeavor in the Music Business Affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, as a legal intern, and then my th- my 3L first summer, I was doing that website, and then the 3L second semester, I went back to Shepherd Mullen, um, and was working there while while also going to school. Sometimes. How did <laughs> <laughs> how did you okay? So how did you get your the job that you had after law school? Did you do it through school, or was that something that you pursued on your own? It was really something that I. Um, I sort of pursued on my own. It's not something I got um, through OCI. Yeah. Uh, the first time I went to Shepherd Mullen, um, Robert Darwell, who is the guy that I, I had met before I applied to law school at Shepherd Mullen, um, brought me in for a summer. And then after that... Uh, before you started law school? No, th- this oh. was 2L. Okay, this was yeah. the summer after 2L. Okay. And then during my 3L year, um, a, a partner named Craig Cardone brought me in. Uh, for that second semester and, and gave me, you know, a, some great some great opportunity to learn um, new areas of the media business and marketing business. So did you participate in the um, on-campus interview process at all? Uh, yeah, I did. I did. And uh, nothing really came, nothing really came my way that I was super excited about. Um, and I had this sort of foot in the door at, at Shepherd Mullen um, that I thought I could um, worked my advantage and, and I did. So, okay, so you, you clearly were thinking about Shepard Mullen for a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so what what initially drew you to Shepard Mullen? I'm sure it was some of it, obviously, was a practice area, but what specifically about Shep- Shepard Mullen was interesting to you? Um, it Shep- really, it was that Shepard um, was very well known in, in the entertainment and media business mm-hmm. and the advertising business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, that was it. I mean, I, I, re- I really got along with a lot of the, um, a lot of the people that I met there. Yeah. Um, so it was, it the was that. culture was a good fit. Um, yeah, yeah, you could say that for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So, how, okay, did they, did you know at that point, like before you started at Shepard Mullen, did you have any idea that you would eventually want to start your own firm? Um, no, I, I, there's no way. Uh, there's no way I would have known. Um, my dad has a criminal defense practice. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, and my sort of family is, has been very entrepreneurial for generations. This, <laughs> it's actually funny that we're, that we're doing this interview, uh, but this is my great-grandfather's, uh, military jeep part, or military... Uh, trucking and, and Jeeps company business catalog. Yeah. Um, so I always sort of had an entrepreneurial streak, and it's, it sort of runs in my family. So um, it's not something I could have predicted, but looking back, it's not something that's totally out of whack. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and so while you were at Chapman, what was your experience like there? And you were there for a year and Eight, about almost two years. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, it, 
I mean, I'll look back on it fondly forever. I got a really incredible experience. And you uh, still keep in touch? Yeah, I, I do keep in touch with a lot of the people I used to work with. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, I'm actually going to a Memorial Day barbecue with one of the associates I used to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a great firm, great place, great place to get training. And so what made you decide that you wanted to leave and start your own? I, I knew I wanted to be in the VR. I'd seen all this stuff happening in the VR business mm -hmm. in L.A., um, and people were getting funding, and like I, I was really excited about the medium. Uh, I thought that sort of the sky's the limit, um, and so I, I wasn't sure exactly what I would do. But within a few weeks of leaving, of leaving the firm, like I, I, I went to a networking event. I met uh, a guy named Lars Perkins, uh, and he was like, you know, what kind of networking event was it? It was a networking event about music in VR. Okay. Um, at this accelerator in Marina del Rey that is since um, closed, okay. but it was it was a great event and I and I looked at the brochure of speakers and they all had names and, and face and, and pictures of their faces and so I recognized this guy Lars and I go up to him and I'm like hey like I recognize you from the brochure you know I'm Calvin and we just start a conversation um, and and he was like oh you're a lawyer you are very clearly passionate about VR, you understand the entertainment business. Uh, we have this this project that we need you to work on. Uh, can you work on it? And I was like, sure. So wow. I, I sort of got a client before I knew I would be starting a practice. Um, so that sort of snowballed into another VR AR production company and then and then So they you quit Shepherd without knowing what you were doing next? It, it really wasn't, it wasn't really like that. It was like, I, def, I knew I wanted to be in, in the VR business. Um, that's, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel like lawyers are so risk averse. It's such a scary move to take. I mean, so, like, it's, not know what your next move is and, like, you know. Yeah, it, it was certainly a scary time. Um, but I was passionate at that time about what was going on in the VR business in L.A. And, you know, like I said, in a few weeks, I had my first client, so. That's impressive. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not that, it's... No, it is, it's impressive. Thank you, I, I wouldn't say, I, thank you. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad to figure that out. Okay, um, what has been your greatest struggle getting to this point in your career? Um, the greatest struggle um, I don't know. There's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot of struggles. But um, maybe something that you overcame recently. Sure. Or even if you're still struggling. I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear because I think all of us go through challenges as we're trying to figure things out. It's certainly having to deal with you know. There, there's a saying that, that that goes along the lines of you know you make a plan and God laughs, right? Yeah. It's it's certain it's certainly been um, dealing with um, unanticipated challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for someone like me who went straight through from from college to law school and, and even you know leaving college year early, um, in in the educational environment, I think things are much more structured and yes. and much more um, regimented. And then when you get out, um, you sh you're sort of like, you know. Off at sea in the middle, you know, like kind of like stranded almost. Yeah. Uh, 
There's and a lot more uncertainty. There's certainly, yeah, certainly there's a lot more uncertainty. <laughs> uh, and so de- dealing with sort of dealing with unanticipated um, situations has probably been the biggest challenge. So how do you normally do? How do you deal with those? Um, it's I think it's really important to maintain um, optimism. Okay. And being resourceful. Being resourceful, certainly. Um, knowing what your strengths are. So for me, I, I, I think that um, people like me for whatever reason. And like, I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I, I knew my strength, my, I knew a strength would be, you know, like go to, go to networking events, meet people, right. um, put yourself out there, and, and things will come my way. Um, and so if, that's been a huge part of your, like, figuring out your career. A lot of it has been going to networking events. Yeah, not just networking events. And, and another thing I would say to um, people that are in law school or, or thinking about law school, um, or just anyone, I think, uh, is that you can you don't only have to go to networking events to network. Right. Um, you can network at a restaurant. Uh, you can network at an ice cream shop. You can you can email or call people directly that you look up to and and talk to them and. I, you know, I've been really fortunate that all of those things have happened to me at one point or another, and I've made sure to keep in contact with those people sort of on a regular basis um, as like I, my careers progress, or if I see something on LinkedIn about them getting a new position or, or getting promoted, it's, it's always you know congratulations. Uh, I think it's 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 re- networking. In order for it not to be a hackneyed term, you have to like define it for yourself. And for me, it was not just attending events, but also being surgical and, and reaching out to people in particular. And having my antenna up, which one time, the, a funny story, um, so my girlfriend and I, Sindel, uh, Sindel Noel, who's also a great lawyer, uh, we were at an ice cream shop in Venice, and we were talking to, um, we're talking to this couple behind us, mm-hmm. and and lo and behold, I found out later that the the man was a legendary figure in the entertainment business. Wow! But I misheard his, him pronounce his name because he whispered it. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably on purpose. Yeah, he, he was he was a very very influential um, person who had founded one of the one of Hollywood's biggest talent agencies. Uh, and when was working at a you know like a, a huge studio, um, and his I, I, don't, I can't remember if it was his wife or fiance at the time, who was a founder of a major shoe brand that sold, and then now she's she has another shoe brand. So my so Sindel and I were talking to the wife, and I, I sort of like excluded the husband um, because I felt like I, fe- I felt like he he like was not interested in talking to us anymore. And I think I realized why, because I, was, I told him, you know, I'm in the media business, I'm a lawyer, and he told me his name, but he whispered it, and then and when I didn't react, <laughs> like he, he, was, he, maybe, he, he maybe thought that, um, you know, <laughs> I, I was like a fraud or something, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but you yeah. his name, but not his, necessarily what he looked like. No, I didn't know what he looked like, and he, he was covered up, his, he was wearing oh, sunglasses okay. inside and stuff, so. It was, it was tough to... Did you ever keep in touch with him after? Or, like, did they... No, no, I was... I, I was so... I, I honestly was so embarrassed <laughs> that, that uh, I... 
if I ever see him again, I'll, pro I'll, I'll go up to him and apologize, but uh, no. Wait, at what point did you realize that he was that person that he was? We were Googling the, the fashion designers. Oh, like, so it was after you already had left? Yeah, we left. We were, we were long gone. I realized who it was, and I was so upset. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's about like, having your antenna up, and if I could go back and say, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, what was your name? <laughs> I would do that, um, you know, a hundred times over. So, <laughs> I think I'm just, I, I'm curious to hear a little bit about like the nature of your interactions when you're networking, because that does seem to be a big part of what you're doing. So what is it like when you go to these events? Like, do you, do you only just talk about what they're doing, what you're doing, and then anything, I don't know, how does it work for you? I don't always have an ulterior motive. Right. Um, in fact, most of the time that you know something really great has happened yeah. has been from the time where I was just you know sort of being myself. Yeah. Um, the strategy is just you know, hi, I'm Calvin. You know, like what do you what do you do? Or hi, I'm Calvin. I saw your face in the brochure. It's good to meet you in person. Good luck up there, or something like that. Where it's it's more me asking about them or um, asking for advice when I, um, if I know the person has great advice to give. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, good things have come from that. Okay, so, um, can you talk, I mean, I, I feel like we haven't talked much about exactly the things that you do with your law firm, so can you just talk a little bit about what you do in your law firm? Sure. Um, my, yeah, it's, the deals that I've been working on are, are either production related. Um, How long has it been, by the way? It's been about a year, which is sort of crazy, but tough to tough to believe. But um, and how long after you finished with Shepard Mullen did you start? A matter of weeks. Okay. Um, that's when you got the client before you even started your firm, and then you were. Yeah. And then you were. I mean, as soon as I got the client, that's when I realized I was starting yeah. to practice. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, I mean. What do I do on a, on a day to day? It's it's that the, these clients have have sort of deals, either they're production related deals. So let's say it's for talent or um, some component of the VR or AR um, or even esports uh, content that they're producing has to be papered or has to be negotiated. Mm -hmm. So I help them through through those issues. Um, and it's also been in some cases advisory work. So looking at sort of the changing regulatory landscape, looking at all of the mergers and acquisitions that are occurring, uh, sort of at a very top level of the entertainment business, and in some cases, um, Washington's reluctance to let those deals go through. Um, you know, giving, giving the clients a sort of big picture on, on what, the, what the business is, is doing, where, what the direction it's going in, and, um, who they should be targeting for, for their content. Chan, can you let us know how far we are in terms of time? Thanks. Okay. Um, can you stay here? Yeah. So, 40 minutes. Okay, so we have about 20 minutes. Um, so at this point, if, if you have any questions, feel free to submit them, and I still have a few more questions, so we're going to keep going. The next question that I want to ask you is about working in a space of a lot of uncertainty. We've kind of talked about uncertainty, but in terms of like working with entrepreneurs, um, 
as a lawyer, a lot of your job is assessing risk and like, you know, taking care of any any of those types of uncertainties. But when you're working with entrepreneurs, there's so much uncertainty. So right. how do you, as a lawyer that's representing a client, deal with those? Um, I think the key the key thing, the key concept to think about is, is mitigating risk. Um, right. Entrepreneurs often are very, um, very aggressive businessmen, which mean or or businesswomen, and and that means that they are they have they and, and in order to be successful, you do you do have to think this way. They have an end goal in mind, yeah. whether it's to make that sale or, or to build a company in a certain way. Yeah. And sometimes that runs afoul of the law. Yeah. And you you sort of have to have you have to develop a relationship where the client will listen to you. Um, when you say here's here's a better way to do it, um, or sometimes you flat out can't do something. Um, are they usually good at paying attention, to, or like do they listen when you tell them that? Because I sometimes entrepreneurs are very like, you know, yeah. you have a goal in mind, and it's difficult when you have these obstacles or you think of them as obstacles. Sometimes, sometimes they do, um, and sometimes they, you know, take the advice and do something else. And that's another thing, is that. One thing I've learned over the past year, which which I, I wasn't um, in a position to learn at a big firm, is that um, you know you you have to sort of do your due diligence as to who the client is. Mm -hmm. You have to really understand: is this someone that I'm, I'm going to have to chase down for for my bill every month? Is this someone that um, is interested in doing things the right way, the legal way? Is this someone that? Is is potentially going to uh, sacrifice my reputation if they don't care about their own reputation? You know things like that, and they don't happen often. Uh, but there, it's definitely something that you have to keep an eye out um, as a lawyer if you care about your reputation. Right. Um, so, how do you deal with the fact that, uh, as someone who's a little bit more recently established, like an independent lawyer that's more recently established, you are sometimes up against law firms that are more established and have more resources? Yeah, so I think, good question, first of all. I think that it's, it would be much more stark in the, in the uh, situation where, where I'm practicing litigation, and, and I'm not doing litigation, although I, I had done some litigation at Shepard Mullen. Mm -hmm. um, being, a, being a transactional lawyer and a business advisor is, is, Although yes, there's there are often people on the other side of the table that are much more experienced than I am. Uh, it's it's really about um, a, a team effort in terms of often um, both both sides want a deal done, mm -hmm. and it's about it's about getting getting to yes essentially. Um, so I mean, and and it often. Because I've been so diligent about maintaining my network, often I, I have gone to older, more experienced lawyers and you know asked them their advice on, on spe specific provisions. Um, and then also I think my training at Shepherd Mullen was was it was it always it was almost always an assignment that I had no idea how to do it. And by by being in that situation, you are taught how to learn and learn quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, at a very professional high level. So um, taking that training of, of like, how do I get myself up to speed and how do I do it really quickly 
um, is something that, that I took uh, and, and integrated in, in this practice. Especially in an industry that's always changing. Yeah. Right? So, um, how have you seen the entertainment and media industry change over the past few years? And, uh, sorry, and how do you think that it affects the legal field? Sure. Um, it's, it's, so, it's pretty amazing because Honestly, everything is changing from week to week yeah. and day to day. Yeah. Um, I think by far the, the biggest the biggest change that we've seen in the media business and the effects aren't necessarily being felt yet. Yeah. Is the um, reversal of the Obama era net neutrality rules, mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess it remains to be seen how how that um, sort of major change is going to going to affect the media business because it's going to affect. Um, obviously, how much how much content you can stream at what speeds yeah. um, over 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 Wi-Fi networks, um, and then we're seeing we're seeing um, huge changes in the developments of five G, uh, and so really we're sort of at the pre-dawn stage of an entirely new uh, era in the media business. Um, with, with those two things coming together, I think, especially with 5G, where people are saying you can download a movie in, in a matter of seconds over 5G, wow. which, which, is, which is really, really insane. Um, I think it's, it's, less, it's less so about uh, the, the changes affecting the law for me. It's more so, I, I'm looking at it from a business standpoint, and I think the changes in the law from what you're seeing for example, from the repeal of net neutrality, are going to have vast impacts on on how all of us uh, consume content, whether it's streaming um, or really anything over the internet. So we have a question. Shan, can you ask us, please? Yeah. Cool, an audience question. <laughs> all right. So says, um, what are some important skills you learned at your time at Shepherd Mullen? Richard and Hampton. Okay, I'm gonna repeat it just in case people didn't hear, but what are some important skills that you learned during your time at Shepherd Mall? I think the biggest thing is how do you deal with um, an assignment that you don't know how to do? Right. Uh, and I think that learning that um, in the context of, of litigation um, and the regulatory work I was doing um, gave me the confidence to sort of Again, do what I'm doing now. I'm just curious. During your time at Shepherd Mullen, um, how many other people who were recent grads or even in school, because you worked there while you were in school, how many people were there in a similar position as you? Uh, I I don't know. Okay. A, a lot. Oh, there were. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay, and what actually, else? I do know. Um, probably probably around twenty. Okay. Yeah. And were a lot of the, like what schools were they? Were they mostly USC? Mm, or like no. from schools from LA. No, I had I had one classmate uh, who also went to Shepherd Mullen, but she was working in uh, she is still working in Orange County, and I'm sure I haven't talked to her in a while, but I'm sure she's a, a fabulous lawyer. Um, but I mean, at your at the firm that you were at, were there a lot? I mean, I'm sure it was mainly. Do you, you mean the office, the Century City office? Yeah. Yeah, and so in the Century City office, there are three of us: two of them from Georgetown, and one. From USC. Okay. Uh, throughout the firm, I honestly don't know what the um, what the makeup was of schools. Yeah. But I, I, if I had to guess at that time, 
it was top 20 schools. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's, it's been expanded, which I think is, is the smart thing to do for the firm, uh, to expand it to the other great law schools that aren't in the top 20. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, the last summer class that I'm aware of, I, I know for a fact had, had students from, from um, Pepperdine and Loyola uh, in the Century City office. And then there, there's a whole other sort of world downtown L in downtown LA. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're, you know, same thing. Um, they're, they're students from all different schools. Okay, so you had quite a bit, I'm sure, of knowledge about the legal field before you even started working in it or even went to, well, I don't think I have a, a, like I don't think have a, a solid grasp on it now. <laughs> but I would say that more than the average person, you had exposure to law. Sure. Just, just by the nature of being around it. Sure. Like, I, I would say I'm around a lot of people who are in business, so it's kind of helpful in that sense of, like, understanding business, even if it's not directly. Yeah. So, um, do you think that, were there certain things that were very surprising to you, or even now are very surprising to you, that you've learned after going through law school and being out of law school for a few years, like, that you really didn't expect after? I should, I, sh I should say, by the way, um, you know, my, my sister is also, was, has been an associate shepherd, um, and she, so in that sense, she was sort of like a, uh, a very great guiding guidepost yeah. in terms of what to expect when you get to a law firm environment. Yeah. But honestly, not, no bit of advice and nothing really compares to sort of being in, 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 yeah, in the boiler room, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the biggest thing that has surprised me has been, uh, has, has been, you can, you, there are things that you can do and things you, you can argue um, as a lawyer, things that you can attempt to do that aren't necessarily black letter law, yeah. but that ad advance your client's interests. Uh, and if you're creative, like the best lawyers are, um, you, can, you can really do some wild things that, that help your client. Is there any example you can give? Doesn't have to be too specific. Um, magician never never shows. <laughs> okay, well we have a question, so let's take the question. Yeah. Today. So what would you say are the major differences between the West Coast market and New York City with respect to firm life? I honestly don't. I don't know. Uh, just just because I've never practiced in New York uh, or on the East Coast at all. I can tell you from what my friends are saying. Um, it's it's really tough. At any at any big firm, and, and especially, you know, just generally in, in the practice of law, like the practice of law is a very very hard job. Um, anywhere you go, but in a big big firm environment, uh, the hourly requirements can be very demanding. I think anywhere you go, um, I can only say that I've heard that that New York the the hours and the culture make it such that uh, you're working a lot more. That's that's only what I've heard, but I don't know. I heard that too, as well. For people, even in SF. Right. I mean, it's it's no cakewalk in LA. I mean, people people work very very hard. Yeah. Uh, and it, are very very smart, which makes the competition really really hard. Yeah. Um. But yeah, in terms of like different geographic areas, I I, I really don't know. Um. What were your hours like at Shepherd? The requirement was. Like, how early would you start in the day, and, and, and typically, how late would you be? It, it, it depends. Um, it, it was, I was working a lot. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
I think I was I was definitely bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and very eager to uh, show that I was a really hard worker. Um, and sometimes that meant being in the office till well well past midnight. Uh, and sometimes it meant being at the office well before eight a.m. You know, like I I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, there's no way to really. Did you ever have to work on the weekends as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, it was relatively relatively common to be doing work on the weekends. Okay. Um. So let's talk a little bit about the pro bono work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So what has that been? And yeah. Um. So. The first pro bono work I ever did was actually at the at the firm. Uh, they had a great uh, adoption program. Yeah. And I helped a family adopt a baby girl who was abandoned at birth, and in, we increased the payments that she was getting from the government by something like forty percent. So, to be uh, to be in a position where I could I could help someone on such a tangible human level mm-hmm. um, really stuck with me then and. I recently decided to pick up a pro bono case from public counsel, um, working with a veteran who was who received an other than honorable discharge, um, basically stemming from um, him self medicating after um, after undergoing some very traumatic experiences mm-hmm. and and you know developing PTSD. So the goal with the goal with that that. Former Marine's case is to get a discharge upgrade so that he's entitled and eligible to various veterans' benefits. Uh, man. I know it's so loud, but it's worse in New York. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in New York, every interview this happens. Yeah, so. I guess we all three of them now. Man. Well, Sorry, well, sorry, sorry, viewers. Um, well, wait a second. So, or so I actually I don't usually wear a suit and tie, but I met with that client today for the first time. Okay. Um, and so it was important for me to, you know, put my best foot forward. Even though it was pro bono, I wanted to, um, I don't know, felt like, I felt like dressing up for the occasion. Um, Shannon, how much time do we have? We have like five minutes. Okay. Um. So I guess, like stepping back from everything that you've, all the experience you've had so far, what do you think are the greatest lessons learned that you've lessons learned that you've had along the way? Um, realizing that the the legal profession in, in law school is a process. Yeah. So it, it's so much of it is is, at least historically, based on prestige. Um, and I think I realized, um, that at some point I realized, I I mean, even honestly, before I applied and, and chose you, chose where I was going to law school, I, I, prestige wasn't as important to me. Mm -hmm. And I think I've sort always sort of, um, operated outside of the bounds of, of the typical law student and, and typical, uh, Procedure, um, so I, I think I, I would I would point out that there there are sort of two paths you can take when it comes to um, be, becoming a lawyer, and, and one is this rudimented um, path where you that where you try and do and become the most prestigious thing you can do and be, um, and obviously there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, there's nothing wrong with you know 
choosing the most prestigious law school that you got into to go to and, and choosing the most prestigious job you can get. Um, but there's also nothing wrong with not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think recognizing that this is a, a process um, that's sort of been created by people who have walked the path before um, sort of has helped me understand that dichotomy that if you can be just as just as successful and and just as um, just as happy doing something um, that is not necessarily on the um, on the path of the most prestigious. Um, then also just maintaining it's it's how just it's so important to maintain optimism and um, really understand what motivates you and and like understanding those things and and, and keeping myself uh, really forward looking and, and very optimistic about the future is what keeps is you motivated. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna mention, I'm gonna ask. <laughs> the the other day, someone asked me what my favorite word was. Yeah. And it's it it's gotta be moxie, okay. uh, which means basically that you know I recognize that there is a path and I choose to go my own way. Yeah. Um, and I think individuality is something that um, keeps me motivated and keeps me me going in it. It's a, a, a desire to prove myself to myself. Um, that's probably what keeps me motivated. Okay, well, I think that is all the time we have. Okay, well, Calvin, I want to say thank you so much. If you have any, well, do you have any parting thoughts, anything else that you wanted to say? Um, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful to be on, to be asked to be on the show, and I'm flattered, and I think what you're doing is amazing. Thank you. Um, Thank you to all of you guys who, who watched this. And for asking I, questions, that was yeah, awesome. I, I hope that um, I hope that I, I was at least a little helpful. And please reach out if you got any questions. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. I honestly like um, was really excited to interview you. I'm excited to interview every single person I'm interviewing. So. Um, oh shucks. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I'm flattered. I'm, I'm I think it takes a lot of guts to kind of stray away from the path, and that's something that I saw in your career path was that you weren't necessarily, even though you worked at a firm, like, it takes a lot of guts to start your own firm and, like, just kind of do that path that has even more uncertainty, you know? Thank you, thank you. I mean, so, on, lately I've been, last thing, lately I've been reading a lot of, uh, a lot of books about, about um, various <laughs> major figures in the entertainment business. So right there I have a book about Ted Turner. Yeah. Um, I've, re- I've read books about, you know, countless countless entrepreneurs that are in the business yeah. and I've noticed the path is you know do really random stuff yeah. and do things that you're passionate about and again um, this goes back to that Steve Jobs thing I was saying is that you got to trust that the dots will connect and that's what I've been doing and that's what's driven me up to this point all right so just so people know in the future we are continuing to do more interviews in the future so if you're interested you're, you can subscribe like all that fun stuff and um, there may be another version of this interview um, posted as well, so just, you know, stay tuned, and I think that is it for today. Yeah. Should I hit the Yes. Good.